Welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur. My name is Sina. I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. In this episode, I spoke with Colin McGrath, the co-founder of Oysters Clothing, a clothing brand that is powered by dropshipping. Their mission is to promote environmental and animal conservation through their clothing, as well as donating 10% of their net profits to charities. Now, we've covered so many different varieties of business on this podcast. The one that we haven't actually covered before is dropshipping businesses. And the reason why I stay clear of them is because a lot of them are fake. A lot of them don't really you know, publish truthful stories about how difficult it is. And a lot of them are perceived as, I guess, a very easy passive revenue, passive income stream. The reason why I wanted to get Colin on is because he was massively truthful about his journey and you know, diff- documenting the challenges and all that type of stuff. Because yeah, I don't want any of you guys to get into dropshipping with an idea that you know someone else online says that it's a very easy magic money tree or whatever but there's a lot of challenges that come with it and so in this episode we covered a lot of the truth and yeah the very first point that we talked about was the honest truth behind the journey of starting and growing a drop shipping clothing brand and colin goes into depth about the operational process you have to take and the risks that are probably not widely documented on both youtube or any other sort of courses that are out there there's so many courses out there and secondly, many think that starting a dropshipping brand generates passive profits, as I mentioned before. But Colin opens up about the hard work and challenges you have to face on this journey that are no different, actually, to growing a traditional clothing brand. And lastly, the channels of growth Colin uses to optimize sales and to scale the brand. The episode is so educational and valuable for people that want to get into this type of business. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend this day to the very end of this episode. And if you haven't already given us a five-star written review, please do, because... Yeah, the, the reason why I get Colin and other sort of entrepreneurs on is to help you guys. And through the reviews and sharing it with friends, it helps the podcast grow and to reach more people. And so, yeah, I highly appreciate it if you do. Okay, that's it for me. Let's jump in. Hey, Colin, how are you? Hey, Sina, how's it going? I'm very, very good, thanks. You're in sunny Colombia at the moment, right? South, out in Colombia, South America. Yep, it's all good out here. <laughs> you are our first guest who is from, well, not from, but like is living in South America, I believe. That this is a this is a podcast first. We've done we've done about this is episode number ninety one, I think, from the top of my head. We've done ninety one episodes, and you're the first one from South America, which is which is really cool. But you're originally Scottish, right? No, I mean I'm originally from the states, so I'm from I'm from Vermont in the United oh, States. states. Okay, I was actually going to say I know you guys are mostly a, a British podcast, but I hope the American accent doesn't doesn't throw anyone. <laughs> the reason why I said Scotland because some people will be like, "What? Why are you saying that?" It's because we were introduced by a friend of mine who is Scottish, so I assume that you are Scottish because he he only has friends in Scotland, but. <laughs> apparently apparently not anyway <laughs> shout out to rod anyways uh colin i would love to talk to you about your brand because so just for context i get and people know this i get so many messages pretty much every day i got like maybe three to five requests to be on the podcast every day and a lot of them are people claiming to have made millions and like loads of money from drop shipping it's something that seems like a magical sort of like money pots where it's just like unlimited passive revenue like for the rest of your life and all you have to do is just set up a shopify website put some money behind facebook ads and that's it you've made you've made a living from basically doing that what i really want to talk to you about colin is the process of setting up a drop shipping business that has done very well in my opinion um in terms of both the brand and operationally and also i want to talk about the honest truth behind it because so many of the videos that i've seen out there don't really tell the whole truth of running a business so would you would you think that's fair? Like it's just is it is it like a thing that loads of people talk about, but it's just like it's not all real? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think when, you know, I started Oysters Clothing um with, with my good friend Rod, 
uh, I think we, we thought the same thing. We thought it was going to be passive income. Um, we're smart enough to build the brand and actually uh, make it take off. But what we've learned is it is much more of a learning curve than it kind of goes out there. Um, there's probably a lot of videos out there and a lot of people claiming, you know, get rich quick with drop shipping. And it really, isn't that. Um, I think there's a lot of pros and cons to it. Uh, I think it, it really works for us right now. It really works in terms of getting a good proof of concept without putting a lot of um, large upfront costs. Um, but, you know, you actually have to market your product. You have to actually market your brand. So what I always tell people, what I've probably taken away the most from this experience is it, it's building social media content first. Think of Think of your business as a social media content creation platform first and sales will follow. So it's really about building that brand and connecting with your consumers first, and then the drop shipping will work for you. But people that just think they're going to you know, throw their logo on some clothing and they're going to start making tons of money with advertising, it's not going to work. You really need to build that connection. That's, that's what I feel like a lot of people think it is. And that's why I wanted to, to, to come on the podcast is to debunk these truths and to show the honest sort of reality of what it is to run a, a drop shipping business. Before we jump in though, Colin, into, I guess like the brand and everything. I would love to talk about, I guess, the operations side of things. And I know some people might be, I don't know, just, just for just for ease, what is what is drop shipping, just for people who don't know? Yeah, so drop shipping, uh, essentially what it is, is we don't, you know, Oysters Clothing, we don't actually touch any of the merchandise and we don't actually ship it out. So anyone that's coming to our website and they place an order, that order is going to go directly to our manufacturer partner in California. They're actually going to do all the manufacturing, the printing, and they're going to handle all the shipping and logistics side. So it's very hands-off for us. We don't have to deal with any of that logistical side of things. Um, you know, but, but there are cons to the drop shipping model, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Because a lot of people think they see these videos and, yeah, they just the, – all the manufacturing side is, is done by a third party. And they're like, all I have to do is get the orders and I can get the orders from doing the, all these ads. And it's just like – a recurring cycle and, the, and the, the margins must be pretty good and all that type of stuff i guess before we jump into the operations side what gave you the ideas for oysters in in the first place yeah definitely so so oysters clothing um so we're our whole e-commerce brand is based around national animals from around the world um so for every new animal design we come out with we're actually partnering with a charity that's actually going to give back towards saving these animals so, for example, like uh, one of our designs, the lemur is the national animal of Madagascar. So our charity partner, the Lemur Conservation Foundation, um, any of our lemur design T-shirts or hoodies um, is actually going to go back towards um, supporting and saving a lot of these lemurs. So the whole idea kind of came about uh, me and Rod. We've been good friends for about 10 years, met back in university at Washington State University when he studied there. Um, we've stayed in touch, been, you know. Uh, we're we're big travelers. Uh, we've always we both study business, so we both wanted to always work together. And I think when COVID hit, you know, it was really that perfect time where we were given a lot more time on our hands. And you know, now's a good time to start doing something for us and really trying to build a brand. Um, so that's kind of where oysters came about, and we spit around a bunch of ideas. And I think it really, the national animal concept really resonated with us from our travel experience. You know, we, we gained an appreciation for environmental conservation, actually a love of animals in the natural environment. So um, that's how we kind of built the brand. Um, and that's where we came up with the concept. What I, what I immediately love about that is that there is a immediate sort of value proposition there. 
Whereas you see a lot of like traditional dropship brands, they literally just have a logo on a t-shirt and they think they're going to sell loads. When in actual fact, like a big challenge is actually building that brand to like where it is right now for you guys. And you have to have a unique value proposition there. Otherwise people don't buy into it as much. And for some, it is to be fair. Sometimes it is the logo looks nice or, or like graphically it looks good. But I feel like what you guys have done very well is that you thought about that kind of from the first instance where you knew that you could partner with these charities and you could you could be a, a, a source for goods. And your USP was like, our brand is helping these charities and helping the raise awareness for these endangered animals. So it was a, a very good value proposition for like forefront and center. So you already made a very good decision there, in my opinion, rather than just going in with the money idea first. Definitely. And I think, you know, a lot of people, when they're thinking of drop shipping, they, again, they think they're just going to create really cool designs and people are just going to fall in love with the designs and just buy it based on the design. And some people can do it that way, but the majority can't. You really need to start thinking about, um, what actually is going to to resonate with with your customer base? Why is someone going to buy from you versus a, a major brand like Banana Republic or, or something like that? You really need to think of that that value proposition side. So, um, and I think what we're doing isn't too too different from a lot of e-commerce brands. You know, a lot of e-commerce brands are partnered with one charity or or they're partnered with a cause where maybe they're planting a tree for every piece of clothing that's purchased. That does build a connection with your customer base. Um, I think we took it a step further and we really wanted to partner with many charities. So when people are wearing their oysters clothing, like a polar bear shirt, for example, knowing that they're, they can have some customers can have some pride knowing that the, some of the money is actually going back towards saving polar bears specifically. So that's where we kind of took a, to a different level, but yeah, essentially you do need a strong value proposition. You need to find an emotional connection that your customers can really relate to. Yeah, I mean, the way that I see it is that the drop shipping element that we'll talk about in a second is just the supply chain angle of building that value proposition, right? Like you, you've built that brand to where it is now. People want to get involved. The drop shipping element is just the way that you fulfill that need, right? It's not the, the core of the business, which I think a lot of people think it is. The core of the business is no different from any other business. It's just growing the brand. So again, like we, I agree with you totally. It's you're no different from any other e-commerce brand that maybe buys their own inventory and sells it that way, the more traditional way. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really treat your business, really like the niche that you're going into. Dropshipping is purely just the, the, the vehicle that's going to get us there. You know, really, really, we enjoy, me and Rod and our whole brand, we enjoy giving back to these animal charities. We really enjoy relating to the animal community, people that love animals. So it, it it's easier for us to go about it that way rather than, you know, make get rich, rich, uh, rich scheme. <laughs> so Colin, you had the idea for oysters. You had the value proposition very clear in your mind. What was the next step for you? How did you build that supply chain in, in like, how did you build that supply chain in the back end? So how did you find the supplier? How did you build all the like assets and stuff? Um, Cause even though it's drop shipped, you have to have some sort of desire to make it good quality. And like, there's a lot of other things that you have to control. So how did you go about like sorting out your whole supply chain? Yeah, no, no, great question. Um, going into it, when Rod and I were going into fashion, we thought we'd have to get a bunch of inventory on hand right away. Um, once we discovered drop shipping, it was, a, it was definitely just a way for us to get that proof of concept out there. So the way we went about testing it is you're, you're exactly right is, 
we do lose some quality control um, going about the dropshipping method because we're not touching the clothing. So we tested a bunch of different suppliers. And I think one of the advantages of Rod being in Scotland and me being out in South America, or sometimes I'm in the States as well, is we were able to test shipping methods, um, you know, in, in terms of how long is it going to take us to get clothing from, you know, a California-based manufacturer versus a UK manufacturer. So you need to balance quality with also shipping times because that's very important. So we just essentially tested not only sweatshirts, but a bunch of different um, print-on-demand providers. Which one is going to work for us in terms of shipping times we're happy with, quality that we're happy with because we are a world brand where we're shipping to customers worldwide. So I guess more practically, how did you start searching for it? Like what websites did you use? Did you call people? Like how, what was the process? And what was also for anyone listening, what's the, what are the factors that are very important for them to consider? Do your research. Like number one, like really do your research. Like me and Rod both kind of split it up. Like he was in charge of much more looking at UK providers. I was looking much more at United States providers and, when you go about choosing one, think about what your market's going to be. So we didn't know if we were going to focus much more on the, the UK immediately or if we were going to focus much more on the United States. So think about who you're targeting first. Once you narrow that down, um, we, tried, uh, we tried a bunch of different providers. So um, Printify, Printful, Spod, there's a ton of different um, print-on-demand providers you can look into. I would go, a lot of YouTube videos out there are, are very, very helpful. But I would really say you really just need to cast a wide net, really do your research. And I think the most critical thing is test it. Don't just assume, don't just trust reviews and think that this print provider is going to be the best. Because Rod and I thought we had one that was going to be the absolute best for us. The reviews were fantastic. They shipped worldwide in incredibly fast times. Um, but then we got the product that we thought we were going to really like and they made some mistakes on it or the quality was smaller than we thought. So do your testing and do your research. So there is a, a huge sort of like quality control element to it at first is like, even though they might have amazing reviews, it's like testing out whether they fit your demands and whether like you think your customers would like it is, I mean, I think, I think that's important for any sort of supply chain, but I think it's maybe overlooked when it comes to drop shipping for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, you really need to find something that not only is going to give you good quality because at the end of the day, when a manufacturer screws up, which has happened plenty of times, it's your name attached. The customer isn't going to blame, blame the, the print on demand provider. They don't know you're using them. They're blaming you. So really find one that's going to cause you the least amount of headaches and really uphold your brand image. When you eventually found your manufacturer and you were, you were happy with both the, so the quality or the other factors, so quality, time of delivery is also important. I guess minimum order is probably important, but like you, with drop shipping, I assume it'd only be like you can do individual orders, so that's fine. What other things are like other factors that were important at that, at that point? Yeah, shipping time is extremely important. Like don't don't overlook shipping time. I think that was an area that I, me personally, I was pretty naive in the beginning. I was just thinking like, all right, we, we're gonna have the best quality from this print on demand provider, but people need people want things fast, so really think about your shipping time and make sure that's going to be a high importance. You also need to balance that with cost. So you need to really think about, is this cheap enough where I'm going to be able to set a price where my margins aren't going to kill me? So you really, so it's a lot of different factors. So people think of this drop shipping magical formula, but you need to think about all these different things. Shipping times, is the cost going to work for me? Is the quality okay? 
Um, and, and is this going to work for my specific brand and market? What about um, like customs and stuff like that, Colin? Because obviously that's a, that's a hidden cost that, so you mentioned like they're not going to blame the manufacturer if they get a, uh, an unexpected customs bill, but they're going to blame you because like it wasn't a transparent cost. But so for like why I'm saying this is because we shipped it for my own business. We shipped an order to Spain and because of Brexit, they got a huge customs bill and it was unexpected to both myself and for them. And it made them go over budget. And now we might not have, we might not be able to work with them in the future, which is really annoying. But so if you're doing on a smaller scale, individual orders, that would really annoy someone. So how do you kind of like, that's something that I guess, do you consider that at all? A hundred percent. Yeah. You have to think about customs and we, that was a big learning curve for us as well, where people were ordering our, our manufacturers based in the United States. Some people were ordering these uh, across Europe or something. And you know, their, their order was being held because um, they need to pay like an import tax or something like that. And, you know, we didn't know about that. So we're, we're suddenly like, Oh shoot, like we need to get this fixed immediately. Um, so what Rod and I have done, we've placed much more importance on, we've acquired this customer. We're going to take care of the cost to get it in the country. So we think we're on a, at a place where we're just to try and acquire as many customers as possible and really give them a great experience. So while we're taking a hit, we're losing quite a bit in the profit margin. We think the benefits really outweigh uh, the negatives there. But yeah, you do need to think about that. Um, going back to our, our beginning stages when COVID was kind of at its peak last year, uh, we were getting all sorts of shipping restrictions. Uh, a bunch of orders went to Australia but then Australia would put up a new law where they're not taking any shipments into the country. So that gets thrown on us immediately. It's like, Oh no, now we need to refund all these orders. And now we have all a customer service nightmare, but um, that is something you do need to really, really think about. Yeah. I, I've actually watched a few dropshipping videos and not one of them have mentioned the hidden cost of customs. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know why, because that can really put a customer off. Um, and I've only discovered that my, my business isn't dropshipped, but it's the same sort of thing. You're shipping out something to an international client. And yeah, they do get custom and it does annoy them. It is because it's a hidden cost. People don't like that. Colin, I want to move on to, I guess, so you found supply, you took all these considerations. What was the kind of next step? So I assume it's probably building an e-commerce platform now, an e-commerce website. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So once once we had our, our, our big idea down, we started contacting charity partners. We felt really good, strong about our designs. We signed on with some really good charity partners. Um, we, we got our drop shipping. We did that testing. We figured that out. The next step was, all right, now we need customers. How do we, how do we get customers? And I think for a lot of e-commerce brands and ours mostly is it's based on your social media presence and really building your brand image online. So we kind of had to start at ground zero in terms of building the social media presence. But I think, you know, our unique selling proposition of going with all these charities worldwide really helped us in the when you, when you tag on to a charity that does have thousands, tens of thousands of, um, tens of thousands of followers on Instagram and stuff like that, once you sign on with them and they start giving you shout outs and it starts giving you some credibility, starts giving you some credibility as a brand. So that really helped us in the early stages, tagging on with some of these charity partners, really singing our praises and helping us out from there. But yeah, we had to start building that community online on Instagram uh, and Facebook in terms of finding these followers. Cool. Before we go on to the growth channels, so with the e-commerce platform, uh, e-commerce website, I'm assuming you would plug in the manufacturer onto your website so that once you re- once you generate an order, the order would just go straight to them. So, is there any like difficulty when it comes to plugging in, or are the like I, I'm assuming you're using Shopify 
like is it all like fairly easy to do you don't need to explain it yeah 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 shopify obviously obviously is a great great tool to use well that is what we're using um at the same time you do need to make it look professional (laughs) you you need to make a website that looks credible and it goes back to what i was saying before why is someone going to buy from you versus a large chain you really need to people need to trust you within a couple seconds of going to your website so they need to find out in 10 seconds what are you all about and do i like what you're doing so going about building our website you know once we had everything plugged in in terms of the products and and the print on demand drop shipping models all set up it was about really having good imagery very clear messaging um, and, and reviews as well went went a long way Colin is giving a very in-depth and truthful experience of his dropshipping journey and how he is growing his brand Oysters. Now, I want to move on more from an operations point of view, you know, the dropshipping process, more towards actually growing the brand. Colin mentioned very briefly some growth strategies already on the on the podcast, but I want to go more into detail about the charity partnership side and also other growth channels that they've used to grow both the business, the brand and the revenue. Um, He mentioned how effective charity partnerships have been. So I wanted to delve into that first. Yeah, so so Instagram, like a lot of e-commerce brands, that is kind of our strongest emphasis right now. We really want to make sure our imaging is clear on there and we're building our brand that way. Um, While the charity partners were a fantastic launching pad, that can only take you so far. They're not going to keep posting all the time for you or anything like that. So you need to go out and start developing your own relationships um, funny story, I mean, going off of that is in our initial stages, Rod and I would wanted to build the brand extremely fast. We were extremely ambitious and we wanted to build um, our following to an extreme, at an extremely fast rate. So Instagram, so we were like messaging to people, our brand, but we were using a lot of repeat language. Instagram actually suspended us for, for a couple of weeks because they thought we were robots. <laughs> like they thought we weren't weren't actually um, actually there fostering good relationships. So we learned a lesson right away that you need to foster genuine relationships on these social media platforms. So, and, and that's good. That, that is a good thing. And that is what we're trying to do. So we had to be more strategic in terms of who we reached out to to grow these platforms and um, more strategic in terms of influencers to start building credibility. You can't just spam a million people and hope they're going to start following you. You really need to foster genuine genuine relationships okay so you, you had the charity partnership so the and the way that you get them is you would message them and then you would in order to scale even more you'd message influencers as well yep i, I would say influencers was a, a a strong a strong way to get people involved um uh, most people i think that are listening they're probably going to go after family and friends first we did that as well we wanted to build up a little credibility in terms of following in terms of engagement um, before going that route. But then, yeah, we tacked on the family and friends. Um, but yeah, I would say probably the biggest thing in terms of building your channels is you need to be active. You, you need to be engaged. You can't just post pictures and, and videos and just assume people are going to follow you based on your hashtags. You know, you really need to show genuine support in, in terms of following the right people and communicating with the right people. So it, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work to build a channel. Um, and I should, I'm sure you've seen, you know, on our, on our, on our Instagram, it, it we, we took it from, you know, very little, less than a hundred people, <laughs> um, up hovering around a, a thousand now. Mm, no, I, I have seen the whole journey. It is really interesting to see. And the, from, from what I've seen every time sort of an influencer or one of these charity partners promotes you guys, you get a huge influx of followers. Like 
how many how many followers do you get i guess on average from one of these shout outs from both either the charity partner or an influencer yeah so um on the initial stages when with the first post uh, of a charity partner we're we're looking at 25 to 50 we we have had one that that hit about 100 um uh, but th- but then as you get influencers influencers is very hit or miss and one thing i'll say on that is really target influencers that are going to be appealing to your specific niche. So I think we learned that really right away as we were trying to go after travel um, influencers, and that was really producing very low results. We'd maybe get one or two followers, and that really wasn't working for us. So we had to shift models a little bit and go after people that are the animal lover niche. That, that really is what we were, and we discovered that. Um, and once we started tagging on to people that are really passionate about animal conservation, environmental conservation um, and people who work in zoos and educating the public, those have been the most fruitful in terms of um, gaining us traction and building our, our community. Does that deliver you consistent sort of like traction and revenue growth? Obviously we won't jump into numbers, but does that generate you consistent growth on like when you, when you partner with charities and when you do these influencers or is it more a case of you just have to continuously keep doing that. You need to continuously keep doing it because, you know, if you get one influencer, one charity post, people people forget really quickly. You know, that, that it's not going to be a repeat system. So you need to keep finding new people, keep going after new. Um, this is where our charity partners, many charity partners really helps us. But having more influencers is really helpful as well. Um, I also think we're at that point where we're now expanding into our other platforms. So LinkedIn has actually been extremely fruitful for us. So while we just have about a hundred followers on there. Uh, the LinkedIn algorithm is quite grand. It, it goes to quite a few people. So um, I would always think about, you know, which platforms you're going on to. And now we're, we're attacking uh, TikTok a little bit and getting involved in that. Yeah, I think TikTok for your brand would be amazing. We had someone earlier on the podcast a fair while ago now, but he has a clothing brand and he generates crazy amounts of traction just from TikTok. That's his only channel. It, it's amazing. So like, I, I, the power for that, for a clothing e-commerce brand is, is phenomenal. No, I, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think it is a huge growth channel. We see a huge opportunity there because a lot of our competitors, our direct competitors in the clothing space, um, they're kind of doing what we're doing, where they're placing a lot of emphasis on Instagram and Facebook, but TikTok's kind of getting forgotten about. And, you know, clothing brands can go viral overnight, but also it just can, you can reach such a larger demographic with TikTok. So we're placing a strong emphasis on that going forward um, to really, you know, build our community, but gain a ton more traction that way. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, as I said, he literally just concentrates on, on TikTok and he generates crazy amounts of sales pretty much every month now, which is, which is mental. What I was going to say, Colin, is that, I wanted to highlight some of your answers before, before we like wrap up the podcast, because obviously we talked about, about it at the beginning of the episode where people think that drop shipping is a very easy thing. And you just mentioned how like, you know, building that brand is extremely difficult. I mean, it's the same sort of difficulty as growing a traditional brand, um, whether you do drop shipping or not. And talking about how you need to keep partnering up with different influencers, keep partnering with different charities and then, like obviously you have to build all these different channels organically or organically the same way you would another brand, like any other brand. I love that you came out with that honestly, because I know a lot of people just think it's so easy to do this, but 
I know about the amount of time that you put in and the amount of time that Rod puts in. And it can be good once you set it up because you're working on this full time and like it's it's a really cool brand now and you've grown it, but it wasn't always like that. I know the amount of work that you put in. So what are some really, I guess, the, the key difficulties within growing this brand? Obviously, we talked about the operations side, but more, more towards the brand. What's the thing that really stood out to you? Uh, in terms of building the brand, I mean, you know, you have to stay consistent on social media. So I think in terms of as we've grown, we've, we're, we're starting to get our, our foot into a lot of different things in terms of advertising, um, finding new charity relations and, and keeping up, um, you know, overall with the vision for the brand and new products that we plan to come out with and eventually maybe moving over to a different um, uh, shipping method going forward. But you can't lose track of your social media like that really kind of is the fuel to a fire with e-commerce brands. So I think really staying on top of that and being really consistent. So one cool thing going forward with that is Rod and I are actually bringing in, we just hired three interns for, for this summer, social media interns, some students um, that are going to be helping managing our social media platform. So we're going to be helping them quite a bit, but they're going to be helping us quite a bit in terms of the content creation, experimenting, but also really staying consistent because we really can't put you know social media on the back burner because it is such a such a source for our brand amazing that that's so great colin thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been so amazing talking to you about oysters um and i love i've loved seeing the journey so far and i can't wait to see what happens with it in the future and i think this conversation for me has really i guess given a lot of clarity to the process of drop shipping and i hope that people listening as well same thing because it's not easy it, it comes with its own challenges and it comes with a lot of challenges that you would do when growing another sort of traditional e-commerce brand. So thank you for coming on the podcast and thank you for being so honest about your journey. I would, I'd love to stay in contact. and I know a lot of people would as well. So how can people stay in touch with you and Oysters going into the future? Yeah, no, I appreciate, appreciate you having me on uh, to share our story. Um, yeah. If you, if you want to check out Oysters Clothing, um, it's at Oysters Clothing on Instagram. Uh, you can check us out on our website, oystersclothing.com. And we're available on LinkedIn as well. So my name is Colin McGraw. You can just send, drop me a message there. But check us out. If you like animals and you like um, giving back to some of these animals and saving these endangered animals, check us out. We, we'd love to love to see you. Great. Thank you so much, Colin, for coming on the podcast again. And I'm sure we'll talk very soon. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Millennial Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for staying to the very end of the episode. It means so much. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts because it helps the podcast grow so much. And yeah, drop Colin and Oysters a follow because it's a great business. They're doing some great stuff and uh, I'm sure you would appreciate it as well. As I mentioned in the intro, this is a podcast first, getting a dropshipping brand on the podcast. And the reason why I did it is to educate you guys on, I guess, some of the stuff that might not be mentioned mentioned on YouTube and other courses when it comes to dropshipping. If there are any other types of businesses that you want to want to see on the podcast, please do message me directly either on LinkedIn or on the podcast Instagram. Um, follow us on there if you, if you don't already. And yeah, I'll try my very, very hardest to get those sort of businesses on the podcast to show you guys a very honest and raw story about how it, you know, what it takes to grow that type of business. So thank you so much for listening again, and I'll catch you in the next one.